connecting, we would love for you to do that at the back table is a uh, little connect cards uh, you can fill out information hand them to one of our hospitality people we'd love to connect with you and get to know you and grow alongside of you um we i say this because we have a, a few connection groups there are a couple bible studies that happen midweek uh, ruth just started one this week and uh, we've got a couple more starting uh just this week so you're not too late to join any of them uh we would love for you to uh, uh, uh join those groups so if you're interested in being a part of a bible study uh, write down your information we'd love to send that to you we have been going through a series in the book of colossians called but first jesus and uh, it's been awesome so far. We, I think we've been in at it about a month. Brad Hooper uh, preached last week from the second half of the hymn found in chapter one. And we have the privilege of hearing from uh, Kyle Rora. So I'm going to ask Kyle to come on up. He's from Temple Baptist Church on staff there. Kyle, uh, uh, I'm really thankful for this. Nikki and I got back from North Carolina at, uh, I don't know, what it wasn't that late, but we drove all day. So um, I'm, I'm thankful Kyle's able to do this. I'm just going to pray for you, Kyle, and then uh, you can take it away. Lord, thank you so much for uh, our Mother Church Temple, uh, for everything that they've done for us, and also for uh, 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 lending us Kyle for this day. And uh, we just pray that the Spirit would speak through him, that these words uh, would, would, would convict us, that they would pierce our hearts. And that we would change according to your will and according to your pleasure. We pray for all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Aaron. It truly is my pleasure to be here with all of you this morning. Uh, and and I'm, I'm really excited on, on a couple different levels here. Uh, so first of all, I'm excited because I, I really do just love God's word. I love studying it and having the opportunity to prepare a sermon and then preach it to God's people. And so this really is just a blessing for me to be here in, in on that level. But then on another level, um, I may be a part of a, what we might call an established church now over the last kind of year. Year or so, but before that, my wife and I spent seven years doing what you guys are doing here, coming in, setting up every morning uh, with a church plant, and so it's kind of like going back to my roots a little bit. Um, I had the pleasure of joining with the setup team here this morning, and and kind of just seeing how you guys do things, and it's been awesome, uh, even already this morning. And so I'm really excited to be here to encourage you, to encourage you, and I want to start by encouraging you all this morning because this this right here, what we're doing, meeting to praise God and meeting as God's people, this is this is wildly important work. And I want you to just stop for a moment and really think about the fact that God has brought each and every one of you here to this specific body of believers um, in His divine. Plan. Some of you left comfortable, established churches where when you showed up on Sunday morning, you didn't have to do anything. When you showed up, you, just, you didn't have to set out the chairs and, you know, put up the screens. And that's even if it was like minus 20 out. You didn't have to, you know, push through the snow to get the things in here. And some of you maybe never even went to church before and you've given up your Sunday morning to be here gathering with God's people to sing his praises and, and to hear his word. And so you've given that up. And so all of you have chosen to do a little bit more and be a little bit more uncomfortable so that God's word and his church can have an outpost, a gathering here in this specific part of Cambridge. And so I want to encourage you this morning that all of this, in all of this, you're, you're serving the Lord. 
And, and it's him, it's, it's God who called you to this. And, and it's his gospel, his good news about Jesus and the hope that he brings to the world. That's what is ultimately going to keep you going in all of this. That's why I love that uh, Aaron, when he's planning out this, ser- this series, he but first Jesus, coming back to that, that base level reality, but first Jesus. And that's what's going to keep you going. And so um, if you hear nothing else from me this morning, I want you to hear, hear that, that, that it's the gospel, the good news of Jesus that's ultimately going to keep you going in all of this. It's ultimately going to sustain you in the hard times and in the good times. And the bottom line is that the gospel, the gospel is the reason that we're here. In fact, um, that's what our passage this morning shows us. And so we're going to continue on in this series in Colossians. Um, specifically, our passage for this morning is chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. And so uh, if you please turn with me there in your copy of God's Word, whether that's your um, copy of the whole Bible or these uh, little Colossians journaling Bibles, those are awesome. And I want to get me one of those. Those are, uh, those are really great. Or even on your smartphone, tablet, uh, Colossians 1, 21 through 23. And, um, and so while you're turning there, I'll give you a little bit of context and a bit of a refresher on the background here. Uh, so this, this book of the Bible or this letter was written to the church in uh, Colossae, and it was written by a man named Paul. And if maybe you're here and you're new to church, Paul was um, a really interesting guy that we read. He wrote, in fact, most of the New Testament. And he's a man that was called specifically by God to bring the good news of Jesus to the Gentile world or to the world that, that wasn't ethnically Jewish. And this church in, in Colossae specifically was, was very much, and, and Aaron mentioned this, and I think it's been mentioned throughout, it's actually very much like you guys are here. It's essentially a new church plant, a new body of believers that is recently gathered, and Paul is writing to encourage them. And he's writing, pardon me, uh, he's writing to encourage them. And he's specifically writing to try and head off a couple ideas and ideologies that have been kind of circulating around the church at large. And he's writing to head these off because ultimately these are ideas and ideologies that are, that are trying to take away from or add to the gospel. That main message that, that was ultimately preached to them. And Paul knows that if they stray from the gospel, if they try to take away from it, or if they try to add to it, then they are, are definitely, they're going to fall away. And they're going to stray off that, that path that was given to them. And so our passage specifically comes at the end of kind of Paul's, this opening statement or this hymn where he seeks to, to show them and then by extension us the importance, the supremacy, the ultimate authority of Jesus Christ. And he, he explained this truth when he comes into verse 21, where he's kind of switching gears and he's, he's going to start talking about the effect that this power, this authority that Jesus has into us and into his people and how it affects us. And so with that, I'll invite you to listen as I read Colossians 1, verses 21 through 23. Hear the word of the Lord. And you, who once were alienated... Hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, 
not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a minister. Well, I don't know if any of you here are, are fans of, of home renovation shows. Maybe, uh, maybe you're a big fan of, of Fixer Upper and you're a big Chip and Joanna Gaines fanatic. I, I, if I'm speaking for myself, I know that, that I am a fan of, you know, good house flip drama. I mean, let's be honest, they're dramas, right? Because, you know, halfway through every episode, they get to this point where they think, you know, oh, crap, we're not going to be able to finish on time or we don't have enough money. But every time they do, right? But there's this big, um, you know, uh, it's, it's really interesting right there in the middle. But I think, I think almost everyone would agree that the whole reason you watch these shows, the, the thing that makes them so good is the reveal at the end, right? That, that big, you know, move that bus moment. Where, where the camera shows finally that final product that they've been conveniently editing out all the way along. And as they're going kind of room to room, they're showing these kind of cuts back and forth from what it used to be to where they are now. And, and the homeowners, they're, they're crying and, and, you know, we're watching and we're crying. I mean... <laughs> And it's going, and it's just this amazing transformation, and you see kind of where it was to where it has come now. Well, it's this before and after shot that really gets us. It's what captivates us, uh, showing what things used to be like, how bad they used to be, getting to how good they are now. And I do this too. I mean, a few years ago, I renovated, uh, I renovated our bathroom. And, and you better believe I took before pictures so that, you know, when I can look back and say, well, it really was worth doing all that grouting. And, and so we, we do this, and, and it's this before and after shot that Paul is doing here in, in, in our passage. See, in verses 21 to 22, he's showcasing just how powerful the gospel is in the life of the Christian, just how, how far the Christian came from where they were to where they are now. And by reminding them, and then hopefully us, of this, this truth, Paul seeks to encourage them to remain faithful in this because of that gospel. And that's what we see in verse, in verse 23. And so through this passage, Paul is showing us that the gospel gives us hope to remain faithful. The gospel gives us hope to remain faithful. And so we're going to work our way through our passage here and spend some time on each of these verses. We're going to look at the before picture, which gives power to the after reality, which then fuels our hope for the here and now. And so that's our outline for this morning. We've got our before, after, and then here and now. And so, um, that's, yeah, that's our outline. And so let's consider then the before. And I'll read verse 21. And you, that's speaking to the, to the, to the Colossians, these, these believers, he's saying, and you who once were alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds... See, in order to fully grasp the reality of the grace that God shows us through the gospel, we need to see the reality of just how far we were from God in the first place. And if you're here this morning, I, I, don't, I don't know a lot of you, but if you're here this morning and, and you're a skeptic, maybe you're just checking out church, you're not really sure who God is, maybe you were drugged along here and, and, and you're sitting with somebody and you're, you're just really not sure about Jesus and Christianity, um, 
then then I'm going to be candid. This picture that Paul is painting here about the life of the person who's not hasn't been changed by Christ, it's it's not a pretty picture. But hear me when I say that I don't I don't read these things and I don't I don't say these things flippantly or proudly, but I say them very seriously and I and I say them very humbly, knowing that that without God, without the grace of, of God, I would be just as far from God as what, what Paul is describing here. But the picture that Paul paints of these descriptors here is it's not a pretty picture. What he says is that before the work of Christ, all of us, as in all of our being, is opposed to God. Our entire being is opposed to the creator of the universe. And in saying that, in saying that we're alienated. So that's how he starts here, right? He says, you were once alienated. And in saying that we're alienated uh, from God, he's saying that our our position is one of opposition. So we're going to work through these three um, descriptors here, and we're going to see how all of them show us that our entire being is opposed to God. So so we're, we're in a position of opposition. We're separate. We're estranged from God. And the tense of the verb here that's used uh, for alienated is actually one that carries our, our, our participation in that position. So it's, it's us actively doing this because since the fall of man, we have only ever always gone away from God. Without the work of Christ, we are alienated. We are estranged from God. But not only that, we are, we are hostile in mind, he says. Or to put it another way, our perceptions are opposed to God. What Paul is showing us here is that is is a progression, right? It's not just that we are in a different place or or removed from the presence of God, which is bad enough, but our, our perceptions are actually actively hostile against God. See, some people outside the church like to say that that Jesus was a good moral teacher but that they, they just don't, they don't follow him. He's just a good moral teacher and nothing more. But it seems to me that these people, they, they need to spend a little bit more time reading and studying what Jesus actually taught. Because um, while he did have moral things to say, so much of what he said was actually showing us that he had more of a, if you're not with me, then you're actually against me mentality. Because if what Jesus taught is true, and, and I am sold that it is, then, then he is the only way to be reconciled before God. And if you're going to bring any other alternative to that, then that's an act of hostility against the truth. And then finally, Paul concludes this progression from our position to our perceptions, and we come to our ultimate outcome, just an, an utter posture of opposition, or, or actually doing the evil deeds, or deeds that are, that are just bad in nature, because if you think about it, if you're, if you're or you, pardon me, uh, we work our way through if our position of opposition and our perceptions are opposed, then naturally our actions are just going to follow suit out of that. And we're going to be wholly in a posture of opposition. And this state of the non-believer, if I'm, if I'm candid here, it terrifies me. And it, it terrifies me because I'm sure that there are some of you here in this room who would fall under that heading. That you would, you're opposed to God. And the thing is, that in that opposition, you don't even see that necessarily as a problem. And that terrifies me. 
But hear me, if, if, you're, if you're here this morning and, and you're realizing I am opposed to the creator of the universe and that, that scares you, I want to encourage you that that is the Holy Spirit that is speaking to you this morning and he's calling you to himself. And we're going to work through our passage and we're going to see that you can indeed be reconciled. And if you're here and you are opposed and you're realizing that, then, then take heart because we're going to get to that point where you can be reconciled. And if you're here this morning and, and you have been, do you ever just sit in this and realize how far you've come? Do you ever just sit in and realize just how far you were from God? But you too can take heart because of how this verse actually starts. He says, and you who were once. Notice that past tense there. And praise God for that past tense. Because that's the before shot. We're seeing how far we've come. We were alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Our position, our, position, our perceptions, and our posture were completely opposed to God. But now, now Paul's going to show us the aftershot. Verse 22. And he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach before him. Brothers and sisters, we may once have been opposed to God, but now. Some of your translations might begin verse 22 with, but now. And can we praise God for that, but now. We see the aftershot. And I love how Sam Storms puts it in in the hope of glory. When, When talking about this verse, he says, were it not for the divine and gracious, but now we would be forever mired and entrenched in the always of sin and death and darkness. But now. It's it's interesting. I, I... I mean, I I like sports. I like watching pro sports. I'm not fanatical about it or anything, but I do enjoy watching pro sports. But I I find it to be really interesting. I find it kind of funny at times, especially in terms of of how easily players can get traded from one team to the other. I was watching a Jays game earlier in the season on a lazy Sunday afternoon, and and it was about the the third inning, and and the the announcers were talking about this particular player who had been pulled from the roster kind of last minute, and he was still dressed and on the bench, but but he was pulled from the lineup. And sure enough, as I say around the third inning, the cameras are kind of showing him on the bench, and the announcers are talking about him. He gets up, and he starts shaking hands with all his teammates and then he walks down the hallway out of the dugout and the announcers say that there was a report had just come through that actually he had just been traded third inning of the game he gets traded to the team that they're playing (laughs) so could you imagine wouldn't this be wild You're, you're playing for one team and all of a sudden you get traded in the middle of the game to the other team well on a similar note that's what happened to us We go from being opposed to God to being welcomed. We go from being estranged to being adopted and welcomed in. We go from being alienated to being reconciled. We switch teams right in the middle of the game. 
Well, this verse, it makes it, it, makes it really clear with the, the how and why this happens. In the first half, we, we see the how it happens. In the second half, we see the why. So we see how. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. We are reconciled by the death of Christ. Listen to me. This is the only way. Remember how Paul, he's writing here to combat some ideas and ideologies that we're trying to add or take away from the gospel. That's why he's so specific here. He's reminding them and he's reminding us that our being reconciled all comes down to this. It comes down to the cross. And it really is amazing when we stop and consider the reality here. How we go from being opposed to reconciled before God. And and we're going to get into what that that means in the second half of the verse here. But right now I just want to revel in in the reality of how this happens. Because this right here is, it's the key. It's the key to our faith. It's the key to Christianity. And if you're that skeptic that's, that's here and you're wondering, you know, what makes Christianity different from all these other religions? What makes it different from the Buddhists and the Sikhs and the, and the Hindus and the Muslim? What makes it, what's different? And honestly, it, I think it's this right here that the work of reconciliation is done only through the cross. Honestly, I don't know of any other faith system where, where we are where reconciling cannot be done by our own, on our own work. Every other worldview has a key element of trying your best, doing more work to try and appease an ultimate power. But Christianity is the only one that I know about where the ultimate power makes his people right by his own work. By his own work of Christ on the cross. And this is so incredible to me that Jesus, who is God, and, and we've just spent the first you know, little while of this of this book here, spending time talking about how he is God, how he created the whole world and everything that's in it. And then this Jesus came and he lived 33 perfect years with no sin, living perfectly in step with the Holy Spirit. But he didn't just come to live and teach and then, and then move on. No, he came with the express purpose of reconciling God's people to himself. So he paid that price. He paid the price that we should have paid. He took the punishment that we were meant to take, namely death, and washed us, washed us clean, reconciling us to God. But he did this for a reason. In the second half of verse 22, it says, he did this in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. See, God so loved the world that he sent his son to reconcile his people. We've already established that without Christ, we were actively opposed to God. There was no way for us to dwell with him. There was no way for his people to stand before him. And so he sent his son to die. Take the punishment, and then ultimately be raised again so that we too could be raised again with Christ and and be able to stand before God, allowing flesh to pay for the sins of the flesh. We are now reconciled so that we can stand before God. 
What I find so incredible about this passage is how Paul shows us how, how each way that we were once opposed has now been renewed, has now been reconciled. Check it out how it says that, you know, originally we were alienated, it says in verse 21, and that becomes holy. Our position of alienation gets flipped on its head and we're now set apart for God. We were once set away from God. We are now set apart for God. And this, holy, this word holy is used to refer to those who have been called and especially devoted to serving God. From estranged to dedicated. And then next we see how hostile in mind becomes blameless. Isn't it amazing that we're brought from having actively hostile thoughts, um, how our very perceptions of the world were renewed and made blameless because our very hearts, our very hearts are changed and renewed by the work of the Holy Spirit. The way that we, we see the world is no longer hostile. It's blameless. And we finally, we see how our actions, our, our posture goes from doing evil deeds to being above reproach. Because we've been reconciled through the death of Christ, our sins, past, present, and future, have been paid for, and our evil deeds in the sight of God have been, have been washed away. The slate has been washed clean. But in fact, it's even more than that. It's not just that we've been wiped clean, but it's the fact that we've been placed with Christ and it's His righteousness that's actually seen by God, by the Father. And this, this brothers and sisters, is now our standing before God. We went from being wholly opposed to being completely reconciled. All of our being restored by the work of Jesus Christ. And if you're a follower of Christ, and I want you to worship in this reality because, because if you were to die right now, physically die right now, you would stand before God and he would see you as holy and blameless and above reproach. How amazing is that? But there's a tension here, isn't there? Right? There's certainly the reality that we as creatures who are still marred by sin here and now don't always live up to that perfect state. And maybe you're here this morning and, and, and you're really discouraged. You're really discouraged because you feel that fact that you are called to be perfect and you're, you're very much not. You don't feel home, holy. You don't feel blameless. And you certainly don't feel above reproach. Let me tell you this morning, what Paul is showing us here through these verses is that that broken nature that you feel that is no longer your identity. That's no longer how you are seen by God. And in fact, if that's something that you're really struggling, if you're really struggling with guilt with that, then I encourage you to, to go home this afternoon and, and, and open the book of Romans and read through Romans 6, 7, and 8. Because Paul, the, the author of Colossians, who also wrote Romans, really fleshes out that tension of how we are, we are new creations, we are new beings in Christ, and yet we still live and we still do sin, and how we're freed by the Holy Spirit. So if you're really struggling with that, I encourage you to go home and, and pre-read and pray through Romans 6, 7, and 8. But listen this morning, what, what Paul is reminding us is, is that as Christians, we are no longer identified by that opposed state. We went from being opposed to being reconciled. 
We are only seen by God in the light of the work of Christ. We're only seen as holy and blameless and above reproach. Let that that beautiful reality wash over you this morning. Let that encourage you. And, And if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, and, and hear me, you, you don't need to clean your life up first. Right? That's what we've been talking about and how it's the work of Christ that redeems. You don't need to scrub yourself clean before you can come before God. He is there to do the work for you. So if you feel that tugging now, that's the Holy Spirit that's already working in your heart. And I would encourage you to, to call out to him, come to him. And if that's you, then, then I encourage you, come talk to, to myself afterwards. Talk to Pastor Aaron or, or Nikki or one of our leaders or even the person who you came with and talk to them about that. We'd love to talk to you about this Jesus guy guy who who literally saved our soul and so that that we see is is that before and after shot then we ask ourselves what do we do with the here and now verse 23 if indeed so he's saying you are now reconciled if indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So what do we do here and now? In short, we press on. But we don't press on in our own way. We don't press on in our own strength. No, we press on with the hope of the gospel. The gospel gives us hope to remain faithful. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm still a pretty young guy at, at, at 29 turning 30. I know that I haven't yet lived many years in the sight of, of many of, of you, you but, but I am acutely aware that this world is a hard world to live in. This world presents us with struggles and temptations aplenty. But we can be encouraged. We can be strengthened by the reality that the gospel is what gives us hope to press on. I know that that last week Brad hammered home some Lord of the Rings illustrations to really drive home uh, his point. So I'm going to switch things up a little bit. I'll go to the Narnia series and talk about that this week. Uh, I'm currently reading through uh, Prince Caspian. And if you're unfamiliar with the series, so the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, right? And then, and then Prince Caspian happens after that one. And so the main characters from the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, Peter, uh, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy, they, they left Narnia and they've been now called back to what, what's Narnia like thousands of years later, where they've almost all but been forgotten. And they're called back to to help try to overthrow this human king who's been, um, you know, wreaking havoc on the old Narnia, the way that things were supposed to be. And the interesting thing to me about it is that these four really children, they come back and they're more than willing to step into battle against these, this more powerful army. And it doesn't even seem like they're afraid. And why aren't they afraid? Because they know the standing that they have through Aslan, who is this lion, who's the Jesus character. 
And he, he, he breathed on them, and he set them up to be the monarchs that they are. He took them from being just children to being these monarchs, and so they can stand with courage in the face of King Miraz, this great and powerful king who has this bigger army, and, and they cannot be afraid because they know the standing that they have, and they know that Aslan is on the move. And, and the same is true for us today in that, that so often we feel bogged down, overwhelmed, like, like we're not good enough. But what Paul is showing us here is that, that it's not us that needs to overcome. It's not us that needs to do the work of overcoming because Jesus already did that work. As we find our hope in the gospel, we find our hope in the fact that that through the work of Christ, our standing before God has been changed. It's been changed from being alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, to being holy and blameless and above reproach. We want to remember that it's the that is the hope that we have and who we were made to be. And that's how we press on. That's how we keep going. And so I want, to hear you, I want you guys to hear this on, on two levels this morning. I want you to hear it on a personal level because if, if you are a Christian and you've, then you've, been give, you've given your life to Christ, to following Christ, then you're called to stay strong, to hold the course, to live your life steadfast in the truth, holding strong to the, the way that Christ has called us to live through his word. But the reality is, is that we will never do this, we'll never succeed if we, try to, if we stray from the hope of the gospel. We're always going to get sidetracked if we stray from the, the hope of the gospel. The work of Christ on the cross, and so take heart. See, when times are tough, when temptation is strong, when it feels like, like you just need to throw in the towel, be reminded that you are a chosen child of God. Because, because of that, you have been made holy. You have been made blameless. You have been made above reproach. And in light of that, be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit to remain faithful. Because it is in our remaining faithful that we can have our assurance of faith. And so, brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you to stay strong. Stay strong by the hope of the gospel. But on another level, I want to encourage you as a body of believers known as Restoration Church. You're called by God and to serve him by serving this specific area of Cambridge. You're a new church uh, and there's, there's much to praise God for in that. He's given you a unique gift of getting the opportunity to be an outpost here, to be a, a gathering in this particular part of Cambridge. And, and in that, I want to exhort you, don't ever lose sight of the gospel. You are here to bring the good news of Jesus, of the work of Christ on the cross, to this community. And so remember, it is only the good news of Jesus, it's only the hope of Christ that will sustain you in this. Because if you, if you fall prey to these ideas and ideologies that pull from or, or, or add to the gospel, then you're going to stray. And so remain true to the gospel. 
And whatever it is that, that you do here, whether you're just new and you're just checking it out, or whether you're, you've been here from the beginning and you're serving on a team, whether you're serving on the tech team or the setup team or, or you're on the band or you teach in kids or, or you're on the welcome team uh, or whether you're on the leadership team or the teaching team, whatever it is that you, that you do here in whatever way you serve, it's the hope of the gospel that will keep you going and it's the hope of the gospel that will be your strength to keep going. When things get hard, when it is minus 20 out and you just really don't feel like grabbing that cold handle of the the case off the trailer and push it through snow, it's the hope of the gospel that keeps you going. Or when it's a long weekend and only like 10 people show up and you're like, why are we even here? It's the hope of the gospel that keeps us going. When you're emotionally and spiritually struggling. It's the hope of the gospel. So always come back to that. That's what Paul is trying to tell this new church in in Colossae, and that's what he's trying to tell you here at, at Restoration Church. Keep coming back to the gospel. Don't stray from the fact that we have been reconciled by the work of Christ alone. And as his church, it's true of you that you have been made holy and blameless and above reproach. And I want to I want to invite the band you can you can come on back up and and we're going to we're going to respond to the word of God in song and it's it's an amazing song that that calls us back to that before and after picture of where we were to where we are now. Considering that before and after shot and so so let's pray. Holy God, ultimate creator, we love you. We love you because you first loved us. Praise you, Jesus, that you are the creator of all things. Praise you that you did come to this earth and and restore us, reconcile us to God so that we, his people, can stand before him. To you be all honor, and glory and praise forever and ever. Amen.